Live, I am Travis Nixon, a career data scientist joined by Tyler Tucci, a former hedge fund PM, now the head of research at Cinerai. This morning, we thank you for joining us. While some really big events are going on, you're going to see Tyler's eyes flickering uh, everywhere all over his 27 screens that he has going on in his room. Uh, the CPI print is coming out. And so like live as we're talking. So this morning is going to be an exciting uh, episode as we're able to learn from Tyler. What is he seeing in that CPI print that so important number to dictate what's going to go on with the market. Tyler and I were speaking before today's episode, and we were talking about how right now it seems that the current uh, rally um, that, that we're experiencing, you know, the stock market kind of on a tear since mid-June, um, that rally is based on the market pricing in a 75 basis points decrease between now and December of next year. Am I getting that right, Tyler? 75 basis point decrease between March and December of next year. And that is basically the entire market in one trade is, is will they, won't they be cutting next year? And CPI print today could affect that view, right? Did. CPI print was flat month over month, which brings us down to uh, eight and a half, just, just eight and a half. That's it. Uh, year over year. Uh, core was 5.9. So that is that is uh, the first step in the right direction we've seen. This is the first sequentially lower print we've had. Um, we'll be back to you if there's some some anything interesting in the in the components. But yeah, we're we're uh, we're down to eight and a half year over year from 9.1. That will definitely give the Fed some breathing room in terms of do they have to go 75 or 50? This probably lets them go 50 now that we've seen a sequentially lower print. They could talk about potentially trending down. Um, stocks have thus far reacted uh, quite well to this, obviously, if, if they're not going to be tightening us into oblivion and the discount rate's not gonna be higher, uh, you know, forward equity valuations can can do well. Now, when I'm gonna be re-watching this later, uh, I'm not one of our viewers that's necessarily gonna understand the full implications of this. So you're looking at your own portfolio and you have some longs, you have some puts. What are you happier about on your portfolio today? What does this mean for your, your portfolio? And are there, are there, are there pieces that are going to benefit and pieces that are, are going to suffer out of this? I mean, this, this will be good for all the really beaten down growth names. I think today will be a, will be a growth day. Um, let's see. I haven't checked rates, but I would guess tens are, yeah, tens are tens are uh, rallying, you know, pretty sharply here. So this will this should be a risk on day. Uh, we have all the makings. The dollar is lower, which is helpful for for U.S. risk assets. So this will be very interesting. What will be more telling is if we can't close, uh, you know, near the highs of the day or or very very green and sustain sustain this pre market momentum here. I see tech almost up two percent. And tech was suffering yesterday. Do you think in preparation for a bad CPI print today? Yes, I mean that's 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 part of it, right? Where everyone de-risks before the event, um, and you get reactions like this, where now it's just running away from everybody, and uh, you know we have a we have a day of, of pain for shorts, um, and that's that's kind of what we will we will see is is this just pain for shorts or are institutional buyers and, and larger money starting to to nibble here and and find actual value on a medium term basis? That will be the the thing that that gives us follow through or not, I think. Hmm. All right. So 
This is actually a very, very timely episode. Wednesdays, we're turning Wednesdays into our sector view day. So every Wednesday you can tune in and we're going to be coming in and providing a whole view on on a certain sector. Today is actually going to be financial services sector, which we are not one of those companies. We are a tech company that gives insights and views on the market. But financial services is going to be an interesting one, especially given the print today. Uh, We've got some views on where the market overall is heading um, so stay tuned for that. But first, I want to check in on yesterday. We were running some experiments. Yesterday, we've been uh, tinkering with our one-day models, which is something that you get access to when you, you subscribe to Folico, our stock market insights product. Now, Folico was giving us uh, some some tickers that w- looked interesting. And on that basis, I went in to do some one-day trades on Teva and Ford. Uh, there was a few other tickers that we checked out, but those were the two that I, I really went in on. Um, Teva's kind of gone sideways since then. Ford went down. It's rallying here in the pre-market today. Now, remember, these one days are really, it, it's from the day you receive the data, which is would be today, to close tomorrow. So really, it, it's tomorrow's close that we're talking about when we say that one day, which means that the trades I made yesterday, I'm going to be taking them out this evening, uh, angling towards today's close. Now, uh, a lot of these were calls. We're going long on this. That's the experimentation that we're going in on. So given that the market looks like it's going to be having a great day today, I'm pretty excited about it. I think we're pretty well positioned. But tomorrow, I'll give you that full detail. And if that's working out, we're going to go pretty deep into what we're seeing for the next wave of opportunities on the one day after this um, probably end of next week, we're going to move on to experimenting with the one week and best practices to use that. And we'll be working through this There's different periodicity within Folico, which is so powerful. You get this one day, one week, two week, three week, four week view. Uh, and so setting up collars, setting up time, uh, delimited trades and stuff like that. I think this is uh, going to be a great practice for that. So stay tuned for that. But today, Tyler, banks, financial services, what do we thought? Uh, what do we think? So it's... It, let's 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 give the let's 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 serve dessert first. Will you show your your uh, overall view and the statistical analysis we we put together? Because uh, we can start there and then we'll dive into the the single names and the nitty gritty. Sure thing. All right, and let me increase the size here so we can see what we're doing. All right, so I've built some code here uh, that allows us to put in a list of tickers. Uh, it weights all the time horizons so that they're equal. When you're making a 12-week prediction, obviously your price movements are going to be much larger than your one day. So the first thing that we need to do was statistically make it so that tw- a 12-week movement and a one-day movement would be equal in size compared to their relative baseline. So in other words, you can directly compare one day with 12-week. Okay. The second thing that we're doing uh, here is we're doing some statistical tests to say, you know, if, if a stock price is, is estimated to be up 1% and then down 1%, then up 1%, there's not really a statistical view on that, okay? So we can't with confidence say that we have a view on this stock going up or down. Statistically, it's kind of a wash. So what we do is we also put some confidence intervals around whether or not we feel a certain ticker is going to go up, stay neutral, or go down. So we have all these lists here. These are past lists that we've analyzed. Today, we're going to be looking at um regional or no not regional uh us banks etf so xlf you can see uh what xlf is made of here 
And then our, our bank picks, we're going to be honing in on Goldman Sachs today. Goldman Sachs has caught our eye a little bit. So we, we read this in. Uh, and again, here's our time horizon. So here's the one day all the way to the left. And then you read out all the way out to, we actually have 16 weeks here, although the 16 weeks is an experimentation phase. So you won't see that in Folico today. That's something that we're trying to bring out to everyone this fall. Um, but it's just not stable enough to say that, that we're going to have confidence in that metric yet. So what we can see here, our orange line is that list of bank picks, which for now is just Goldman Sachs. Blue line is the market, all 1,100 companies on our coverage list. And green line is our general banks. Now, a couple things to note here. Everything is south of the zero. Everything is negative. So if, if you were long everything today, our models would say that 12 weeks from now, you're not going to be happy, no matter what you purchase, right? However, it is pointing to some interesting things of a sharp decline in the near term. And then from there, at the three to four week range, it bottoms out and heals for quite some good returns at that. So Goldman Sachs specifically, we're not seeing really that sharp of a downturn. Goldman Sachs, out of all the picks that we've talked about, better in comparison if you were to go long on them now. But banking, we see this three to four week sideways or sharp downturn, sideways movement, and then a strong rally. Now notice that's a pretty similar story across all of our tickers. If we come in and we do something like tech, just XLK, Okay, uh, let's see. Yeah, XOK is showing a very similar picture, short-term weakness with long-term strength. To me, and remember, go back a couple weeks, look at our uh, view for FANG, right? We're kind of the, the crystal tower of tech. Uh, and we said that all our models were pointing to a localized bottoming around September. Well, guess what? Four weeks later, from, from today, we're seeing the exact same thing. The data is doubling down. September is that localized bottom followed by a pretty strong rally, which is why we're continuing to see signs of a bottoming on the market followed by what our models are saying could be a, a bull market coming this, this uh, fall uh, and winter. So there's the dessert. Uh, if we go into that two sample um, test, we have here our bank picks and XLF. Um, we see, uh, remember, you want this number to be below 0 0.5. That means there's only a 5% chance of us being wrong. So uh, Goldman Sachs being better than banks in general, we, we, we um, accept that hypothesis, if you will. So this means that Goldman Sachs is, is going to be significantly stronger than the rest of the banking ETF. All right, Tyler. Uh, and we can also compare this just with uh, the market in general. Um, if we do leave, yep. So if we compare Goldman Sachs with the market in general, um, the, the strongest hypothesis by far is that Goldman Sachs beats the market. Yes. Oh, All right. Now into the, the individuals. So on the left, you will see the, the spot price of all these stocks and then the Folico one week, four week and 12 week price forecasts. And then the what that works out to be in terms of percentage terms on the right here. Um, 
instead of hammering away about how how bearish some of these forecasts are, I'm going to talk about the ones that aren't. So that I've highlighted those in green. So we've we've presented to you Goldman as as our favorite, um, really a flat flat forward return on on Folico amongst some pretty gnarly forecasts. So that that gives us that relative strength is is something that that gives us a bit more confidence and and suggests to us at least that we're looking in the right place. Um, it still doesn't look like things are are all clear in Europe. Um, I think I suspect that would probably play a role in a, in a local bottoming and not a local an intermediate bottoming in stocks as, as that uh, whole thing kind of clears if the ECB is is reducing their balance sheet and hiking rates um, you know who, who knows what that does to the to the banking sector there it's been a long time since it had to function you know anywhere near normally so that, that that'll be we're not we're not trading those those are that's a call down for you know another 40 percent after the beating but we do kind of we would like to see those start to perk up before we got more confident in the market overall. Um, regionals, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just I wanted to point out something real quick to tie together what what and do you mind zooming in? Tie together what people are seeing on your screen versus what we just looked at statistically. So you're going to see here down, down, and down one week, four week, twelve week on Goldman Sachs, right? But look at how much of that up uh, that downside for the twelve week is taken care of in those first four weeks, which is why statistically we're seeing if you're if you're getting rid of all that downside very, very quickly, um, what you see generally statistically is after that four week sharp downside, you're actually seeing a lot of um, healthiness coming out of that uh, afterwards. So if you're getting all that downside on that, that projected piece out of the way in those first four weeks, that means that we've got room to repair after that. Right. So I just want to make sure that, that the, the narrative that we're talking is speaking with each other. Yes. And, it, and I, you know, I think it is because the, the relative strength in the, in the forward forecast is, is pretty indicative of, of clearly which one you want to be long. Um, regionals, we, we, those are some nasty downside forecasts. Um, Huntington Bank shares, I believe, is a California regional. That forecast kind of makes sense to me. It, uh, mortgage rates are, are significantly higher than they were. Uh, those regional banks do a lot of, of lending type of business as opposed to some of the things the larger banks can do. So to the extent that, that demand is dropped and, and things like that, especially in a, in a higher tax, uh, a less tax friendly area, um, you know, we, we could definitely see a, a bleed out in, in especially banks in that area like that. Um, not something I really want to trade, though, uh, for a lot of reasons, specifically where they are in the charts, the liquidity, the options. Um, and I just have better ideas. Right. So um, and the other interesting one I did find were and, and this was kind of shocking to me because I thought I would find the exact opposite. It's the traditional payment processors that are showing relative strength here. It's not Square and PayPal, really. It's Visa and MasterCard. And I thought that was very interesting because there's been some negative news around uh, Visa. And I, I, I don't I don't recall, but a, a, a well-regarded short seller was out with, with a report and a whole bunch of a bunch of notes on, on Visa. But um, that 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 would be very interesting. That would be kind of the U.S. manages to shrug off a recession. We have a softish landing, um, and and these and these payment stocks don't do so bad. Or uh, the other way, this this 
goes well, at least short term, is it's the end of cycle and everyone's levering up. So the credit card companies will have a good quarter or two left and then things will, or will turn crummy again. So um, those are the two ways I think you could get, you could get traditional payment processor outperformance. Um, again, just because the forecasts are neither here nor there, not something I'm, I'm really hurrying to trade. Um, Goldman just fits what I like to trade really across the board. So that's, that's, I, I think what I'll do. So now I'm, I'm looking at a little bit conversely, you were, you were pointing out some of the strength I'm seeing some of the laggards. I mean, look, look at square square is, has, has almost double the downside of anyone else on the payments list. Yes. Square specific. And, and, and that's, I mean, they've got to get out of their Bitcoin crypto uh, nightmare that they've been, they, they, they tried to rebrand themselves as basically a crypto company. Uh, clearly. I mean, look at coin yesterday. It's not working out well. Right. Um, European banks, my goodness. I mean, my goodness. I, I know you, the UK just came out and said that they're expecting really rough times in terms of uh, recessionary forces over the coming year, right? They were predicting recession well into 23. So that would be, so that's, I don't have any of the British banks, but let's see. But Europe, I think, has pain to go through. Uh, this winter is going to be a rough, rough time for Europe, uh, given the energy crisis that they've got coming on, the conflict uh, within, in Ukraine. Um, the question is whether or not that's already priced. And well, so, is it going to be bad as realized? This is more the question, I think, that, that we're faced with now. The... There's the economic problems, but I'm, I mean even the social turmoil that leads to further economic problems. People don't just stay cold all winter and let that happen passively. Um, so we are getting a question here. Oh, all right. Eduardo. Eduardo, there's something we need to talk about. <laughs> you called out Bumble. And now Tyler and I are very happy individuals. <laughs> yeah, we both we both bought the thirty five puts. So that that's after a six percent day yesterday, even before earnings. You know, nice nice call. So Eduardo, we owe you a drink, buddy, uh, and an expensive one at, at that. So thank you, <laughs> thank you for catching that. So this this is going to be Folico Live featuring Eduardo. But we do have a question from Eduardo today. Um, he is saying the earnings power health score for H-band looks similar or maybe better than GS. How do you interpret earnings power versus stock price forecast? So I'll go ahead and start pulling that up. So my, my theory, and this is just my theory, is that earnings power is more important on earnings week and on earnings day. That's why I talk about looking for the, the divergence two, you know, one, two or five days before, not 10, 20 or 50 days before. I want to see it on earnings week. So I basically think of our price forecast as the prevailing trend else the, the earnings power health factor. So if in, let's see, you said HBAN, how far away are we from HBAN earnings? So HBAN earnings will be in 78 days. So in like, you know, 72 days, 
I, I will I will say the health factor supersedes, or the, sorry, the earnings health factor supersedes the price forecast. But to me, when I'm thinking about the prevailing breezes of our price forecast, it is specifically the price forecast. I more think of the earnings power as a catalyst on a catalyst day, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if we look at Goldman Sachs right here, we see earnings power going down sympathetically with stock price. Earnings power healed a little bit from July 6th up to uh, 18th. I think GS had a, a pretty good earnings release. I wouldn't yes. say that, that earnings release was necessary. I mean, that degree of reaction was not necessarily caught in these in this earnings power, I would say, in, in this case. If we look at HBAN, they have just a, a, an awesomely rallying earnings power go on this, but there's been a pretty sympathetic price movement alongside it. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, that we have a mean reversion opportunity there. And that's, that's ultimately my question is how much of the recession is, is priced in? Where is it priced into is really the question because uh, to me, I, I think of regional banks and the housing market as being decently linked. So in a situation where regional bank prices are somewhat stable, the rest of that market, you know, soup to nuts from the actual buying of the home to the, to the origination, to the securitization. If that whole pipeline is flowing, I don't know how much trouble the economy really can be. You know, of, of course, there's, uh, things have gotten tighter on the consumer. Um, we have seen signs of them starting to lever up, things like that, but not like, oh, the whole financial system is, is giving way underneath us like 2008, for example. Um, so that's, that's interesting because we like, we like when our data agrees, it, it gives us more conviction. So we really like to see the banks bottoming kind of in the similar context as tech, because now we can really start to build and look for what else supports this idea of late September kind of bottom. Um, I think, I think we have October 2nd as like the literal, you know, dead nuts bottom um, but I think, you know, if, if we manage to get that within two weeks, I, I, I will, I will call that a win. Um, which is again, something that we're constantly reanalyzing. I mean, this, this is something that's heavy on our minds. We're making models right now specifically for market conditions. So we have models that, that are strong on tickers and what we do to inform our market views is we aggregate, you know, here's what all the tickers are doing. Now we're going to be making and producing models specifically for a market view. Uh, and so that's going to be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, and, and we'll be able to give a, a, a better, in, interesting view on that. The nice thing about that model is that not only are we going to be able to say overarching trends like we have been with, say, Fang and things like that, but day-to-day, uh, -day, week by week, things like that. So this is a good market week. This is a bad market week. You want to be on the short side. You want to be on the long side. Uh, that That's the kind of view that that's going to be giving you. So I'm excited for that. Um, banking... In a recession time, I'm sure it's been priced in the threat of a recession to these banks. I mean, the yield curve is well inverted, um, and, and that puts significant pressure on banks to explain in the too long, didn't read fashion. Banks borrow on the short end of the curve, lend on the long end of the curve. The higher the spread that is, the better business is. There's a lot of other things that go into it, but in one sentence, that's, that's why the yield curve matters for banks. So... Does that mean that banks are underpriced right now if we're not going to really have 
a severe recession. I mean, so, the, the way it's looking is we will realize that we're in a recession right as we're coming in out of it. Like a hundred percent. That's always how it works. Um, and it's really, a, it's really an interest rate question. It's all an interest rate question. Um, because we have, we have a weird juxtaposition of rates where traditionally bonds acted as the safety valve. So if, if equities took a hit, bond prices went higher, but because of this in, inflation dynamic, that's not necessarily, that hadn't necessarily been the case. We're starting to see that channel uh, kind of return again. Bonds had gotten ridiculously cheap against stocks. So I think some of that is just uh, kind of a, a re asset class repricing against the other. But ultimately, it's an interest rate question um, in, in terms of what's been priced in in terms of a recession. The euro dollar curve for next year, as we discussed, March through December, would tell you that we're pricing being on the other side of the reset, you know, fighting the recession and being on the other side pretty soon. Um, so that's, that's the whole question. That's, that's your bank long. That's your, your curve flattener, steepener. Um, it's, it's the entire market's pretty much one trade short F short. The dollar is long stocks is, is long. Like it's, it's, we're, it's all one trade pretty much. And, and that's, we're doing the best we can to, solve for what what else is moving price other than general market data. And that's why I've actually been pretty encouraged with with how we've done, especially because we've had a week where the market just went completely against all of our calls and we basically lost due to beta more than our calls. Um, so it's it's all one trade. And that's that's really the the question in terms of, of when our banks bottoming is is how do you think about the juxtaposition of, of the Fed inflation and uh, financial conditions and, and risk, I guess. Fair enough. So four weeks, we have banks hurting for the next four weeks. That's what our models are telling us. What do we want to look for to validate or contradict that hypothesis? It really, it'll depend on, so first we'll have a, a Fed meeting in, in September. We'll see 5075 there. Um, just more, I think you need to see more cards is really the problem. If we were playing poker, you, you probably, you, you want to see the turn here. I think, if, you know, if, if you can stay in the hand, because I, I, as we were talking about before the market, you know, thank goodness that we have a, a data driven process. Cause this is as, as confused as I've been, because to me, it's very clear. The fed won't be cutting next year, but the mark to the market, it's very clear that they will be, um, and I think we just need some more information, really. And that's kind of why we've toned back our our calls and our bearishness is, is the conviction is just less here. Um, and I hate saying that I want to have conviction 10 trades all the time. But sometimes knowing when you don't have as big of an edge is just as important as knowing when to really put your foot on the gas when you do. So I'm telling you, you know, I, I keep talking to you uh, about names that, that I like to short here in the third leg of a bear market that aren't growthy. ABBV, I'm looking at you. Uh, healthcare, looking at you again. I know this is going to be, this is going to get old like semis did, but things like that, that, that haven't uh, taken any adversity yet. I, I kind of think you should, you should focus more there. But aside from that, you can wait. There's nothing unless you you are really looking at at companies on a long-term basis and you think that if you buy them on a three to five year basis you can see 100 to 200 percent upside and you can start accumulating those companies but for everybody else 
you know, you can, you really can wait. Mm. It makes sense. So something we're going to be keeping an eye on. We do need to get going for today. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us. This has been Folico Live. If you have questions for us, please uh, feel free to ask it in the comment section below and we will address it either at our next live show or if you want to talk to us live and get that conversation going, join us at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time uh, and we'll be here to talk through the market and Folico Insights every day. Thank you, Tyler, and uh, we'll see everyone tomorrow. Thank you.